chapter thirteen of my life the story of a provincial by anton chekhov translated by constance garnett eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter thirteen dr blagovo arrived on his bicycle my sister began coming often again there were conversations about manual labour about progress about a mysterious millennium awaiting mankind in the remote future the doctor did not like our farm work because it interfered with arguments and said that ploughing reaping grazing calves were unworthy of a free man and all these coarse forms of the struggle for existence men would in time relegate to animals and machines while they would devote themselves exclusively to scientific investigation my sister kept begging them to let her go home earlier and if she stayed on till late in the evening or spent the night with us there would be no end to the agitation good heavens what a baby you are still said masha reproachfully it is positively absurd yes it is absurd my sister agreed i know it's absurd but what is to be done if i haven't the strength to get over it i keep feeling as though i were doing wrong at haymaking i ached all over from the unaccustomed labour in the evening sitting on the veranda and talking with the others i suddenly dropped asleep and they laughed aloud at me they waked me up and made me sit down to supper i was overpowered with drowsiness and i saw the lights the faces and the plates as it were in a dream heard the voices but did not understand them and getting up early in the morning i took up the scythe at once or went to the building and worked hard all day when i remained at home on holidays i noticed that my sister and masha were concealing something from me and even seemed to be avoiding me my wife was tender to me as before but she had thoughts of her own apart which she did not share with me there was no doubt that her exasperation with the peasants was growing the life was becoming more and more distasteful to her and yet she did not complain to me she talked to the doctor now more readily than she did to me and i did not understand why it was so it was the custom in our province at haymaking and harvest time for the labourers to come to the manor-house in the evening and be regaled with vodka even young girls drank a glass we did not keep up this practice the mowers and the peasant women stood about in our yard till late in the evening expecting vodka and then departed abusing us and all the time masha frowned grimly and said nothing or murmured to the doctor with exasperation savages petenegs in the country newcomers are met ungraciously almost with hostility as they are at school and we were received in this way at first we were looked upon as stupid silly people who had bought an estate simply because we did not know what to do with our money we were laughed at the peasants grazed their cattle in our wood and even in our garden they drove away our cows and horses to the village and then demanded money for the damage done by them they came in whole companies into our yard and loudly clamoured that at the mowing we had cut some piece of land that did not belong to us and as we did not yet know the boundaries of our estate very accurately we took their word for it and paid damages afterwards it turned out that there had been no mistake at the mowing they barked the lime-trees in our wood one of the dubechnia peasants a regular shark who did a trade in vodka without a license bribed our labourers and in collaboration with them cheated us in a most treacherous way 
they took the new wheels off our carts and replaced them with old ones stole our ploughing harness and actually sold them to us and so on but what was the most mortifying of all was what happened at the building the peasant women stole by night boards bricks tiles pieces of iron the village elder with witnesses made a search in their huts the village meeting fined them two roubles each and afterwards this money was spent on drink by the whole commune when masha heard about this she would say to the doctor or my sister indignantly what beasts it's awful awful and i heard her more than once express regret that she had ever taken it into her head to build the school you must understand the doctor tried to persuade her that if you build this school and do good in general it's not for the sake of the peasants but in the name of culture in the name of the future and the worse the peasants are the more reason for building the school understand that but there was a lack of conviction in his voice and it seemed to me that both he and masha hated the peasants masha often went to the mill taking my sister with her and they both said laughing that they went to have a look at stepan he was so handsome stepan it appeared was torpid and taciturn only with men in feminine society his manners were free and easy and he talked incessantly one day going down to the river to bathe i accidentally overheard a conversation masha and cleopatra both in white dresses were sitting on the bank in the spreading shade of a willow and stepan was standing by them with his hands behind his back and was saying are peasants men they are not men but asking your pardon wild beasts impostors what life has a peasant nothing but eating and drinking all he cares for is victuals to be cheaper and swilling liquor at the tavern like a fool and there's no conversation no manners no formality nothing but ignorance he lives in filth his wife lives in filth and his children live in filth what he stands up in he lies down to sleep in he picks the potatoes out of the soup with his fingers he drinks kvass with a cockroach in it and doesn't bother to blow it away it's their poverty of course my sister put in poverty there is want to be sure there's different sorts of want madam if a man is in prison or let us say blind or crippled that really is trouble i wouldn't wish any one but if a man's free and has all his senses if he has his eyes and his hands and his strength and god what more does he want it's cockering themselves and it's ignorance madam it's not poverty if you let us suppose good gentlefolk by your education wish out of kindness to help him he will drink away your money in his low way or what's worse he will open a drink-shop and with your money start robbing the people you say poverty but does the rich peasant live better he too asking your pardon lives like a swine coarse loud-mouthed cudgel-headed broader than he is long fat red-faced mug i'd like to swing my fist and send him flying the scoundrel there's larian another rich one at dubechnia and i bet he strips the bark off your trees as much as any poor one and he is a foul-mouthed fellow his children are the same and when he has had a drop too much he'll topple with his nose in a puddle and sleep there they are all a worthless lot madam if you live in a village with them it is like hell it has stuck in my teeth that village has and thank the lord the king of heaven i've plenty to eat and clothes to wear i served out my time in the dragoons i was village elder for three years and now i am a free cossack i live where i like i don't want to live in the village and no one has the right to force me they say my wife they say you are bound to live in your cottage with your wife but why so i am not her hired man 
tell me stepan did you marry for love asked masha love among us in the village answered stepan and he gave a laugh properly speaking madam if you care to know this is my second marriage i am not a kurilovka man i am from zaligosho but afterwards i was taken into kurilovka when i married you see my father did not want to divide the land among us there were five of us brothers i took my leave and went to another village to live with my wife's family but my first wife died when she was young what did she die of of foolishness she used to cry and cry and cry for no reason and so she pined away she was always drinking some sort of herbs to make her better looking and i suppose she damaged her inside and my second wife is a kurilovka woman too there is nothing in her she's a village woman a peasant woman and nothing more i was taken in when they plighted me to her i thought she was young and fair-skinned that they lived in a clean way her mother was just like a flagellant and she drank coffee and the chief thing to be sure they were clean in their ways so i married her and next day we sat down to dinner i bade my mother-in-law give me a spoon and she gives me a spoon and i see her wipe it out with her finger so much for you thought i nice sort of cleanliness yours is i lived a year with them and then i went away i might have married a girl from town he went on after a pause they say a wife is a helpmate to her husband what do i want with a helpmate i help myself i'd rather she talk to me and not clack 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 but circumstantially feelingly what is life without good conversation stepan suddenly paused and at once there was the sound of his dreary monotonous oolululu this meant that he had seen me masha used often to go to the mill and evidently found pleasure in her conversations with stepan stepan abused the peasants with such sincerity and conviction and she was attracted to him every time she came back from the mill the feeble-minded peasant who looked after the garden shouted at her wench palashka hola wench palaska and he would bark like a dog gah, gah! and she would stop and look at him attentively as though in that idiot's barking she found an answer to her thoughts and probably he attracted her in the same way as stepan's abuse at home some piece of news would await her such for instance as that the geese from the village had ruined our cabbage in the garden or that larian had stolen the reins and shrugging her shoulders she would say with a laugh what do you expect of these people she was indignant and there was rancor in her heart and meanwhile i was growing used to the peasants and i felt more and more drawn to them for the most part they were nervous irritable downtrodden people they were people whose imagination had been stifled ignorant with a poor dingy outlook on life whose thoughts were ever the same of the grey earth of grey days of black bread people who cheated but like birds hiding nothing but their head behind the tree people who could not count they would not come to mow for us for twenty roubles but they came for half a pail of vodka though for twenty roubles they could have bought four pails there really was filth and drunkenness and foolishness and deceit but with all that one yet felt that the life of the peasants rested on a firm sound foundation however uncouth a wild animal the peasant following the plough seemed and however he might stupefy himself with vodka still looking at him more closely one felt that there was in him what was needed something very important which was lacking in masha and in the doctor for instance and that was that he believed the chief thing on earth was truth and justice and that his salvation and that of the whole people was only to be found in truth and justice 
and so more than anything in the world he loved just dealing i told my wife she saw the spots on the glass but not the glass itself she said nothing in reply or hummed like stepan when this good-hearted and clever woman turned pale with indignation and with a quiver in her voice spoke to the doctor of the drunkenness and dishonesty it perplexed me and i was struck by the shortness of her memory how could she forget that her father the engineer drank too and drank heavily and that the money with which dubetchnya had been bought had been acquired by a whole series of shameless impudent dishonesties how could she forget it End of chapter 13 recording by expatriate in bangor maine